The What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Hello, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O Group, host of the What to Know podcast. We are here live at our build offsite. And we just got done actually listening to a guy that has been a longtime friend of mine, an inspiration to me on many fronts in the industry, and really a pioneer in a lot of the uh, innovation, social media, digital space, Jeremiah Aoyang. Uh, welcome, Jeremiah. Thanks, Aaron. Jeremiah. You guys put on a great show right here in Philadelphia. It's well, been great. Thank you. We yeah. really appreciate it. It has been great. A little nod to Ali Massey on the team for putting this together. So right now, Jeremiah is the CEO of Crowd Companies. Um, I met you, I think, when you were at a company called PodTech. So ironic that we're doing a podcast, you know, all these years later. Um, you've worked both on the business side. You were at Forrester for a while. Their first, I think, social analyst. You helped found Altimeter, and then you fast forwarded to now. Let's do a quick, you know, two minute walk through your history. How did you get involved in this world of sort of innovation, digital tech, and and where did you have that insight so early in your career? I, thanks, Aaron. Uh, I've always wanted to be in tech, and so I moved to Silicon Valley when I was 21 years old. Uh, I, I didn't grow up too far away, so it was just a stone's throw, and I knew that this was going to be where I needed to be in my career. And all of my roles have been related to technology or web, uh, whether it was working at Hitachi as a marketer, uh, then I, I rolled out social media there, and then I was hired by Forrester uh, to cover social media. With the, there was a small team that was there before me, by the way. And then uh, we launched our own firm. Uh, I was a founding partner. It was founded by Charlene Lee, though. And we launched that. And then four years ago, I launched Crowd Companies, which is an innovation club for corporate executives. And really, they're focusing on the next trends, and they learn from each other. We have outside speakers. Um, I publish research reports. But it's really more like an association or a consortium. We're really trying to enable peer-to-peer. Uh, I'm not really supposed to be the expert. I help lead the discussions and facilitate, but there's a value when big companies learn from each other because um, there's nobody trying to sell them anything. That's one. And they can be really brutally honest about what works and what doesn't work. Now, I think just to build on that, because you're not quite giving yourself credit, you are a fantastic facilitator and you do do a good job of bringing people together, but you also have an innate researcher in you. And I think while people appreciate good facilitators, I'd like to consider myself a good facilitator. It takes a certain brain to do the due diligence and you actually, we'll get to this in a minute, you just shared your you know report, a redux of that that you did on corporate innovation and you just did another report on blockchain, which I know Lionel Menchaca shared. But talk about like, you know, that piece of it because it is hard to really take the time to dig so deep and really kind of pull the nuggets out of that and then facilitate and share. So where did that come from? Yeah, well, I, fortunately I work, thank you. Those are all nice things to say. I work with a great research team. I have a number of researchers like Jamie, Julie, and uh, others that help out uh, to get this done. And then we're talking to these folks all the time. So it's like you hear these things and then you know what questions to ask when it's time for the formal interview. And I mean, really, it's all about... Um, you just ask people things and they tell you and then you just aggregate that. And that's something I really enjoy doing. I love to like capture all that, that knowledge and put it into one cohesive piece and answer questions for the whole market. And that's really fun. Uh, so that's really, um, and I have a, a motto, always be researching, like I'm always learning and always trying to capture things. And I'll tweet out little things that I see as I go to different tech accelerators around the world or talk to startups or companies. And it, you know, the world's so networked so we just learn from each other that way. So. 
Always be researching. I always be researching. I like it. I, well, one of the things that I've always appreciated as well is you are a serial sharer. And I think without getting into too much of the politics, we've talked about this on and off over the years that you were what forced or needed at the time. And at the same time, you were the antithesis or maybe, you know, you were the virus to their antibody because I think, you know, they really knew that they needed to be more open. But at the same time, it breaks their business model, which will lead into our next topic of, you know, corporate innovation. But, you know, what was that struggle like without oversharing in terms of you being this guy that you're all about freeing pixels and sharing data but knowing you work for a company that relied on putting stuff behind a paywall and you know not sort of being as open and sharing as you were. I think I always want to say nice things about my former employers, but I think you're very astute in your observations. But I think at a broader sense, I know at a broader sense, every corporation has to, they have to dissolve their existing business models to align to digital. For example, cars are now digitized. By the way, if you notice, I just transitioned off the topic in a very clever way. Uh, cars are now digital because they're being shared digitally, just like media is being shared digitally or how research reports want to be shared digitally. And they have to alter their business model. So BMW now offers cars on demand. So does GM and Ford and other companies. So they've had to figure out how not to sell things, but make them digitally shared and generate profit. So the BMW Drive Now program where you can rent these cars is actually profitable in Germany where it's rolled out in scale. It's profitable. They make more money renting a digital car than they actually do selling it outright. So every company's got to change. I mean, you look at the, the cable companies are being disrupted by Netflix as media. We've seen that the, the music industry has been turned upside down. We know that Game of Thrones, the season seven, has already been released secretly online. So this is a bigger issue. Yeah, and, and I appreciate how you transition. I'm certainly not looking for any disparagement, and I think Forrester is still doing just fine. But you have uh, also transitioned to the topic that we had you come in and, and present to today, and that really was focused on corporate innovation. And you have a, a chart of the 10 different ways. Right. Maybe you could just do like a two-minute, you know, high-level, yep. some of those areas that you're seeing within companies and some maybe that were more successful than others. Right. So here's the top line. Big companies are being disrupted by startups. Duh. We all know that. Uh, so as a result, they're trying to act more like startups and be nimble. And they have rolled out about 10 different innovation programs, including things like dedicated innovation teams or empowering employees, which is called an intrapreneur program, to come up with new ideas and products, or to working with outside startups, which is called open innovation, and allowing them to build the products with them, or just straight out investing or acquiring startups. And there's uh, other things as well that are listed, but essentially that's how they're deploying it. And when we look, we surveyed them, and we found that through the adoption rates that most of them are just gearing up the teams, and they're putting the people in place internally to set these programs up. And, but most of their budget's being spent on acquisition. It's actually the lion's share of it. And this is a, a good thing and a bad thing, but it means that they're probably not, in, they're, they're not innovating internally if they have to hire externally uh, and acquire a company to do that. And that makes sense because they can't turn the big ship. They're just too slow. Well, and you mentioned an example, if you don't mind me, you know, sort yeah, of talking ahead. about Unilever and them acquiring Dollar Shave Club for, for a billion dollars. And I think that was controversial, but you made a very astute point, speaking of astute, which was, I think they got that even though they could replicate that model, it was the culture. Maybe in essence, that's really what they're buying is the culture and that innovation mindset. So maybe talk a little bit more about I think that. they were buying a, a number of things. They were buying an existing brand that was reaching uh, millennials that didn't want to go to the store. I think they were buying their customer list. I think they were buying... Um, so 
if Unilever really wanted to launch a subscription business, they could do it, but it would probably be in conflict with all of their existing business channels and the product managers might have been upset, you know, uh, product marketers didn't know how to go change their go to market on this. So it's just easier to acquire. And a billion dollars is a lot of money, but for Unilever, eh, not that much. Really. Not that much. Yeah. I think the biggest opportunity is they can cross sell their other products, whether it's, you know, detergent, shampoo, health skincare, whatever, deodorant, whatever inside of those packages. So maybe they can replicate the subscription model into other areas of business. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe it'll fail. Maybe they'll integrate it and close it. Or maybe they'll spin it off. We've seen companies do things like that before. So there's another example that you mentioned, too, which I liked. And I think a lot of people have heard about it, but it's the Adobe model where... Kickbox. Kickbox. And it's really facilitating this concept of entrepreneurs. I loved one of the things that I didn't realize, though, which was... I think you mentioned the innovation group said, we're going to facilitate this. We'll create the class. We'll create the materials. Don't come back to us with your ideas. And I think what they got was this operationalization of entrepreneurship. And that was one of the aha moments I had because that is something that's hard is companies love to innovate, but actually operationalizing that unless it's a product launch is a tricky thing to do. So, you know, maybe talk another yeah, minute uh, about that. Kickbox is... The, the default program for entrepreneur programs, we interviewed over 40 companies and the ones that said they had entrepreneur programs, typically they got the program from the Adobe program, which they made themselves open source. So here's how it works. If you have an idea for a new product or customer experience feature, and it doesn't matter which business unit you're in, you could be in facilities or finance, it doesn't matter. Uh, you could attend a class and learn how to do the innovation methods. They teach you A-B testing and how to pitch to your boss and other things like that. And they give you a credit card with some money so you have some resources. And they're really trying to let a thousand innovation flowers bloom inside of the company rather than rely just only on uh, the, the product group to come up with innovations. And this is truly one of the ways to change culture to allow new ideas to come from everywhere. And I think many savvy CEOs are realizing that is the best way forward to make sure that the whole organization is nimble. That's kind of like my key word in the, in the last few weeks is how can big companies become nimble and agile? Yeah, I like nimble. And it is something, you know, in fairness to Jim Weiss, who's our CEO, um, that he has tried to facilitate that. And we have actually seen, even though it's not been a formal program, there's always been this open door policy or this open, you know, bring us your best idea program. Um, inside do, of your company? Inside of the company, right? Um, I do want to shift gears, and this is more toward the, the last part, who's influencing the influencer, and then we have a fun part. So one of the things I like to ask is, is there someone that you've really looked to over the course of your career as a muse, and or is there a book that you've read recently? I know you referenced one that was up there uh, that you said was interesting, but would love to get your take on you know what's inspiring, who's inspiring you right now. Yeah, so I'm definitely really into reading books, but not I don't even read them because I actually really struggle with long-form written content. I don't know about you. You're, you're busy creating it versus digesting it, so I you just, need to listen to it orally, right? I just found that in our bite-sized social media age that small bits of information are helpful for understanding and retention. It's hard for me to read long-form content. So what I do is I listen to audio books and I consume the long-form content that way while I'm walking or driving or exercising or doing something like that. So here's some books. I, I will do three that I highly recommend. And um, the first one is um, Elon Musk's a biography. If you want to talk about a disruptor and uh, what somebody does so to really change the world, this guy's doing it. But at, but the biography, which he did not 
write and approve. Well, he did approve at the end doesn't because he was participating in the interview. Well, there's some nasty stuff in there about him too, like his relationships at work or at personal life aren't, aren't whole in some cases. So is that what it takes to become an innovator? Steve uh, Jobs kind of had that behavior set too. So that's one is reading his biography. The second one is uh, a book on the future called uh, Homo Deus, which basically talks about our AI future and our bodies will soon have technology inside of ourselves or replicated organs. <clears throat> We're going to live longer, but at the same time, we are building a God. So Homo Deus means human God. We are building an AI system that we will serve without question. What? What are we talking about, Jeremiah? That's crazy. Uh, well, the argument in this book is because the AI will know more about us and our preferences and what we want, it'll just naturally send us things. It'll anticipate, and we'll just follow it without question. So we're building a God uh, that we will end up just doing whatever. In fact, in, in, this, in this radical sense, it will know, Aaron, your preferences for like policies and social and taxes that it will recommend uh, who you should vote for or it'll just vote for you because it'll actually know all the issues and you can't process them all. That's crazy. That's wild. And then the last one is uh, called Sprint on uh, Design Sprints. This is how uh, this came from the Google X team and they have a five day process for innovating new, new, new products. And it's, you only do it in five days and it's very specific and methodical and is a how-to guide. So I think those three books, uh, um, one on a biography, like the mindset, the next one is the future, and then how to innovate, I think those three together uh, would be a wonderful thing to pick. Well, it's a good combo, and I am definitely interested in particularly the middle one. Uh, and I like this idea of uh, audiobooks because I'm the same way where I did just get back from a sabbatical. I did actually read a long-form book in its tactile form. Because you were relaxed. I was you relaxed. Could, your mind could focus yes, on it, right? Yes, but normally I am much better at the short form, and so... Uh, I do have a, a good size commute, and I usually listen to podcasts, but maybe I'll start to pick up some audiobooks. So thank you. Um, anybody in particular that's been an inspiration to you, either sort of from a distance or you know maybe a, a boss or someone like that in your life? God, there's been so many people that have been so wonderful. Uh, I think I just would. Um, I, it's there's such a network that I'm so uh, connected to. Um, for all his craziness faults and flaws I continue to admire Robert Scoble's passion for finding what's next often he's wrong by the way but when he's right he's dead right and he's just really passionate about hunting the new technologies and finding what's out there and sharing that constantly and so I think over 10 years I've been inspired from him. yeah he's a little wild and a little bit kooky and I think he would admit that first but I think that's what it takes to be somebody who's always on the edge yeah and I think one of the things that I do like I've I'll admit to being inspired by him as well, that he's very open about his process, right? So whether he's right or wrong, you can at least see what the journey looks like. And he does a lot of facilitating similar to you where he's for a long time been interviewing on video, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, tech CEOs, startups. And I think it's been great to give exposure to those folks and actually really get their mindset out there. So yeah. I would agree with you on that. Um, last question, and this is a fun one. Okay, or maybe cool. not as fun, but uh, I ask everyone this. You're on a desert island or maybe a deserted island or maybe a dessert island <laughs> where they only serve dessert. We joked about that before, but uh, you, you can listen to one album, ideally a not a greatest hits. Uh, who is it and why would you choose it? Yeah, I had to uh, think this one over um, and I would go with Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, which is like the epitome of the Blue Note era. And... I just love the interplay between uh, him, his simple form, 
and the the wild form of John Coltrane on that same album. And there's just a lot of interplay. I used to be a jazz musician. And so that's why I'm attracted. That's right. You and I actually, I think, went to a jazz club at uh, NYU while we were in New York well, uh, one right. time. And that was maybe that was three or four awesome. years. I forget about that until you... That was in the village. That was the village. Yeah. And that was a uh, great show that night, but great album. And maybe one of the best done albums of all time. I think, I think whether you like blues or not, one. it is a ridiculously good album. Well, that's great. Anyway, thank you for your time today, both from the keynote and doing this uh, talk. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O Group, host of the What to Know podcast. I've been here with Jeremiah Ouyang, innovator, entrepreneur, uh, CEO, crowd companies, general good guy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.